0: Hello, welcome to Killer Cross Uh, This is episode 69. We have an interesting episode. You're going to hear probably some uh, noise from vehicles and everything, but we're actually at the burial site of Lynn Priestley. Uh, We are doing a little investigation while we're here, and I'm not going to listen to this audio either. So if you hear anything, just make note and let us know, but you'll hear beeping like that. And here we go, starting the episode. Lynn Priestley was born June 24, 1955, and was raised in Charleston, West Virginia, until she met her death in 1990. At the time she worked as assistant director of Charleston Urban Renewal Authority, Lynn had worked part-time at Tidewater Grill in Charleston in 1985 until 1988. She had stayed friends with a lot of staff, and on March 16, 1990, Lynn and her on-and-off boyfriend, Thomas White, would go to Tidewater Grill. It was reported they had been at Vinnegan's earlier roughly 11 p.m. they would talk to some friends while having some drinks and sometime during the night her boyfriend would leave and come back about 15 minutes later it was claimed they had gotten a disagreement over something and i read he had said he had gotten lost roughly after another 15 minutes would pass and they would leave tidewater according to some employees they were at tidewater grill for at least for a little less than an hour some of the friends who had spoken to her had expected her to hang out with them at spanky's bar she would never arrive the next day on Saturday, Thomas would come back to Tidewater Grill, and he'd do this around 6 p.m. to ask around if anyone had seen Lynn. According to Thomas's story, he said they had gotten separated after leaving Tidewater Grill the night before, and he had, he had taken a taxi home. An employee would give him Lynn's car keys, and she had left them, them at the bar the night before. It was reported Thomas had called Lynn's parents on Saturday morning around 10 a.m. to see if they had seen her. That's an eight-hour gap between parents to tidewater girls so by the long way knowing tidewater was the last known location and she had reported reported missing that day at the time of her disappearance she was five foot and weighed around 125 to 130 pounds she had shoulder length blonde hair and brown eyes she was wearing a light blue blouse and blue jeans she had on white shoes and a brown leather handbag well had a Brown leather headbag with her. The review reported by a security guard in the annex parking lot that he had heard a loud argument while he was taking out trash around twelve thirty AM. He had heard a woman screaming and said she saw well he saw a female run over to the federal building and up the street. His glasses were broken, so he wasn't able to identify the woman. But a deputy who had finished his shift as a bailiff had stopped the man and both of them exchanged words. You're going to hear our daughter as well. Well we what we have Seems to be a male and female had gotten to an argument and appears to have been Thomas and Lynn. If she had ran away from the scene, where did she go? Uh, we know she never made it to Spankin's Bar, and her car would be found at the annex parking lot. My question here lies in: Thomas said 11 p.m. they had separated, and somebody from the bar said he thought she left by the time he got off work at 11.15. If the times are correct, and there is an hour or so gap between leaving grill to the argument heard by the guard around 12.30 a.m., There are some reports they had left closer to midnight, which would be closer to 1230 a.m. time then. Now, the bailiff said he'd done a police report, but seems the report has never been released to the public. And from what I've read, it has never been confirmed. It has been Thomas um, that the bailiff had spoken to. But since the security guard couldn't identify the individuals because of his broken glasses, then we're left with we assume the man and woman was out of Thomas and Lynn. What if the man and the female the guard heard actually weren't Thomas and Lynn, but had actually left the grill around 11 to 11.15? I have not read anything, though, of another couple confirming it was them arguing, though. Thomas said he got a taxi at 11, and Lynn was heading to her car. What if she ran to another man? Uh, if the couple arguing was of Thomas and Lynn, then that leaves Thomas in a big lie, since according to him, he left the scene at 11 p.m. by a taxi. And from what I've read, it hasn't been confirmed either. Anyways, Lynn would be not be seen or heard from again. Sadly, though, her body would be found five days later on March 21st. And notified authorities. We have recovered the body of a female. Uh, we do have an identification, but we're withholding that pending notification of Mexican. White female, black female? White female. What was, was she clothed? Uh, no. Any persons on fire? Well, uh, the medical examiner staff was on has been on the scene, made a preliminary uh, uh, investigation and observation. A fisherman would find her body was roughly 10 miles from where she was last seen alive. Her body had been placed on the bank along Canal River. She was lying face down at the river's edge, and it seems her body had never been in the water. There was a small amount of blood found near her body, so most likely died shortly before her body was placed there. Where the bank was steep, it's assumed she might have been dropped over the guardrail and her body had rolled down the bank. I'd say her killer was hoping she'd hit the water. They were able to find footprints, though, in the area. From what was gathered, it seems her body had probably been there for four to five days. It'd be confirmed she died of manual strangulation. None of her clothes or personal items was found to this day. and I don't think they've ever been found. Uh, I read her underwear had been stuffed in her mouth and there were some tips to follow. Uh, But as of today, her killer has never been identified. Before we end this episode, we'll discuss a few things. The first thing is Thomas did not live with Lynn. So if he did leave in a taxi, then he went to his own home. The second thing is, Thomas was a married man. His wife had recently filed for divorce. It was rumored he had a bad temper and was controlling. It was also mentioned he was known to fool around with other women. True? We're not sure if these are true. Just a few things we have read. One thing we also want to mention is there was a woman that called the 24-hour hotline that was a, that was set up and would provide some information about the murder. We don't think the lady ever called back, though. The third thing is, the guard was never a suspect. Some people thought he was. And, uh... Well, like I said, he just happened to be outside at the time of the argument, whether it be Thomas and Lynn that argued. The fourth thing is where Lynn died of strangulation. Strangulation is an intense personal method of killing. It's a favorite method of rapists, according to the FBI. The only thing here is from what we read is the rape kit showed no signs of sexual assault. The fifth thing is about the clothes. One thing to keep in mind is the clothes might have had possible evidence on them. That so could be, you know, one thing of why they're never been found. The sixth thing is about some sources we read. Claimed her boss was in legal trouble and was due to appear in court a week after her murder. She was supposed to testify against him. The seventh thing is another source mentions about a pawn shop beneath where she worked. It was being investigated because it was rumored the pawn shop was receiving stolen property and selling it to a doctor. We read about her having lunch with one of the guys, possibly owner, all the time. The eighth thing is his reported DNA was found under her nails, so it shows she fought back. We're assuming nothing could have been pulled from the DNA, though. The nice thing is if the argument was of Thomas and Lynn, then they could have been arguing over her keys. The tenth thing and final thing we'll mention, Lynn was buried in a mausoleum in Huntington, West Virginia, which like I said is where we're at right now, doing a recording beside her gravesite to see if maybe we can pick up an audio piece of her talking to us. We will not listen to this episode, like I stated earlier, once we're finished. So we will, want you, like I said earlier, we want you guys to fill us in if you hear anything, like so you're gonna hear our daughter in the background and Olivia is walking around with her. Uh, We did do some live audio recording a few weeks ago and picked up this little piece we will share with you. And you may need headphones to hear it, but you will hear a knock after I speak. And we were able to recreate it by knocking on the tombs in here. But at the time, none of us were knocking. So was it her or somebody saying hi, or was it nothing at all? You be the judge, and before we let you go, we will leave you with this. Do you think the killer comes here to relive? the crime he committed. Can you say hi? Can you say hi? Can you say hi? We just played the uh, possible little audio piece three separate times. Like just you might need headphones, but just listen for the actual knock you hear. But uh, we're also going to upload this on our SoundCloud. so You can listen to it a little bit better. But uh, thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.